Hi, my name is Beth, and I am the host of the Seeking Light podcast. In a world that presents us with growth and challenges, there is tremendous light. And this podcast is a source of light through scriptural insights that I have gained through the years. Come join me as I share light in a world that can sometimes be confusing. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, A lot of my comments today are from some thoughts I had at general conference and also where I'm at in my personal reading of the book of Mormon. Um, one thing that I noticed in general conference was that the importance of us building a sure foundation on Christ and being converted unto the Lord. And I have long studied and read about how to become more converted. And so today I, um, a couple talks from elder David, a Bednar of the quorum of the 12. And I also, through my personal reading, I just wanted to share some insights that I had, um, in, in regards to our conversion. So one thing that's been on my mind a lot is, uh, over the last several, well, five years or so I'm noticing there's a large, um, struggle happening in our world and with people's hearts are failing them and they are losing their testimonies and, um, desiring to part themselves from the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it makes me very sad, but the truth is, is we cannot give others their testimonies and we cannot give them their conversion. It has to be something that they obtain themselves. And when Satan is, um, quadrupling his efforts here on this earth to try to destroy the children of men and have them be miserable, like unto himself, he is going to do everything in his power to deceive, make others think they're on the right path. Um, correct incorrect information being disseminated and he is putting on his full throttle force. And so today, as you are listening to this podcast, I hope that, um, anything that you've been praying about or trying to do in your life, maybe an answer will come through a scripture or a quote from elder Bednar's talks. And, um, these thoughts will help you. So first of all, before I start, I'm in the gospel topics. It says that conversion is a process, not an event. Conversion comes as a result of righteous efforts to follow the savior. These efforts include exercising faith in Jesus Christ, repenting of sin, being baptized, receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, and enduring to the end in faith. Then the Bible dictionary states that conversion denotes changing one's views in a a conscious acceptance of the will of God, if followed by continued faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, repentance, baptism in the water for the remission of sins and the reception of the Holy Ghost by the laying out of hands, conversion will become complete and will change a nature, a natural man into a sanctified, born again, purified person, a new creature in Christ Jesus. So first of all, um, uh, elder Bednar, he gave this talk called converted unto the Lord. And, um, I love the talk and I used it a lot in my trainings that I did on the, in the wards. And, um, this is what elder Bednar said about a testimony. He said, a testimony is spiritual knowledge of truth obtained by the power of the Holy ghost. 
Testimony alone is not and will not be enough to protect us in the latter-day storm of darkness and evil in which we are living. Testimony is important and necessary, but not sufficient to provide the spiritual strength and protection we need. Some members of the church with testimonies have wavered and fallen away. Their spiritual knowledge and commitment did not measure up to the challenges that they faced. Continuing conversion is constant devotion to the revealed truth that we have received with a heart that is willing and for righteous reasons. Knowing that the gospel is true is the essence of a testimony. Consistently being true to the gospel is the essence of conversion. We should know the gospel is true and be true to the gospel. So a testimony is spiritual knowledge of truth obtained, but continuing conversion is um, constant devotion to reveal truth with a heart that is willing and for righteous reasons. Okay, so in my personal scripture reading, I'm in Alma chapter 24, and when I was reading uh, last night in Alma 22, 23, I was reading about, um, Ammon, Aaron, Omner, him, I, they all go and they're preaching the gospel and Aaron, after the experience that King Lamoni had with his father, while he was with Ammon, Aaron travels to the land of Ishmael to teach King Lamoni's father. And while he goes, they have this exchange where Aaron is asking King Lamoni's father questions and King, Lam King Lamoni's father is answering these questions. And through this experience, King Lamoni's father, which we don't ever know his name. They just say King Lamoni's father. He basically, um, bows down and asks, you know, to be forgiven repent of his sins, call in the name of the Lord. And as he's doing this, he lays, um, he is struck as if he is dead. Now he's not dead, but he looks like he's dead. And so the servants, they go and they tell the queen, look, this is what's happened to your husband. You need to come and see what's going on. And Aaron knew that he was not dead. But the queen was very angry with Aaron and she commanded her servants that they should take him and kill him. Now the servants had witnessed what had happened. And so they did not want to lay their hands on him. So, um, what they did is they said to the queen, why are you commanding us to kill him? Um, he's mightier than us all. Like he, we're not going to be able to kill him. He's going to take us all out. So when the queen saw that the servants were fearful, she, um, she commanded that they should go and gather the people together that they can kill Aaron and his brethren. So Aaron realizes the determination of the queen. And he realizes that, uh, she's going to get the people here and there's going to be a big problem. So he puts forth his hand and he raises the king from the earth. And this is what happens. Now this, this was done in the presence of the queen and many of the servants. And when they saw it, they greatly marveled and began to fear. So when Aaron puts forces forth his hand and, and, um, has the King stand up, the people began to fear. And the queen is witnesses witnessed this. And the King stood forth and began to minister unto them. 
And he did minister unto them in so much that his whole household were converted unto the Lord. So the whole household of King Lamoni's father was converted unto the Lord as King Lamoni's father ministered unto them. And then it says, now there was a multitude gathered together because of the commandment of the queen. And there began to be great murmurings among them because of Aaron and his brethren. But the king stood forth among them and administered unto them, and they were pacified towards Aaron and those who were with him. So the king then now administers, not ministering, that he ministered to his family, but with the people he administers to them, and they are pacified. They are not converted unto the Lord, but they are pacified. And then it says, and it came to pass that when the king saw that the people were pacified, he caused that Aaron and his brethren should stand forth in the midst of the multitude and that they should preach the word unto them. And then what the king wanted to do is he wanted to send a proclamation throughout all the land in the regions, allowing them to go forth and preach the gospel and not be killed, murdered, hurt in any way. So he provides this proclamation. And if you head into verse 23, um, it, what I, what kept popping out to me and it had before, and it popped out to me again last night was there, the word converted was constantly used as Aaron and his brethren go forth to preach the word unto the people. So let me just read to you some of these areas. So it says, and thus they might go forth and preach the word according to their desires for the King had been converted unto the Lord and all of his household. So as they go forth in their preaching, this is what it says. Yea, I say unto you, as the Lord liveth, and many of the Lamanites has believed in their preaching were converted unto the Lord, never did fall away. So Aaron and Ammon, his brethren, according to spirit of prophecy and revelation and power of God, went and worked miracles among the people. And it said that due to their conversion unto the Lord, they never fell away. Then it says, for they became a righteous people. They did lay down their weapons of their rebellion, that they did not fight against God anymore, neither against any of their brethren. Now, these are they who were converted unto the Lord. So in the process of their conversion, they laid down their weapons of war. So I know in the past talk, what are our weapons of war? What are we using as a rebellion against God? And against the ability for us to become converted unto the Lord. Do we have any weapons of rebellion? And what are they? So then he proceeds to tell you which of the lands, the land of Ishmael, the land of Madonai, the land of Nephi, the land of Shilom, the land of Shemlon, the land of Lemuel, the land of Shemnalom. And he says, and now these are the cities of the Lamanites, which were converted unto the Lord. And these are they who lay down their weapons of rebellion, yea, their weapons of war, and they were all Lamanites. Then he says, but the Amalekites were not converted, save only one. Neither were any of the Amulonites, for they did harden their hearts and the hearts of the Lamanites in that part of the land, wheresoever they dwelt, yea, and all their villages and all their cities. Therefore, we have named all the cities of the Lamanites in which they did not repent and come unto the Lord, knowledge of the truth and were converted. 
And now it came to pass that the king and those who were converted were desirous that they might have a name. So these individuals that were converted unto the Lord, they wanted a name to be called by, to be separated from those Lamanites who did not become converted unto the Lord. So as I was um, thinking about general conference and those of my friends and family members who have lost their faith and testimony and um, have left, I thought about how important it is for us to be converted unto the Lord. And um, what it took me to was the tree of life in the Book of Mormon in chapter eight of the Book of Mormon, first Nephi chapter eight. And I just wanted to read some quotes to you from Elder Bednar about um, a talk he gave on the tree of life, which is excellent talk. He said, the fruit on the tree is a symbol of the blessings of the atonement. Partaking of the fruit of the tree represents the receiving of ordinances and covenants, whereby the atonement can become fully efficacious in our lives. The fruit is described as desirable to make one happy. And it produces great joy and the desire to share that joy with others. So as Elder Bednar says in here, that the fruit is a symbol of the blessings of the atonement. And when we partake of that fruit, it can make us happy and produce great joy in our lives that we want to share that happiness and joy with others. Then he says, significantly, the overarching theme of the Book of Mormon is inviting all to come unto Christ is paramount in Lehi's version. Of particular interest is the rod of iron that led to the tree. So then he begins in this talk, he talks about the four groups of people in Lehi's dream. He said there were three groups that did press forward on the straight and narrow path to obtain the fruit, but there was a fourth group who did not seek after the tree. And their whole desire was to go to the great and spacious building as their ultimate destination. So first of all, he talks about group one. So this is what he said about group one. He said, we learned that the first group of people who pressed forward and commenced on the path that led to the tree of life. However, as the people encountered the mist of darkness, which we know, which the angel told Nephi is the temptations of the devil, that they lost their way. They wandered off and they were, went into forbidden paths. Elder Bednar then said, notice that no mention is made of these verses in these verses of a rod of iron. Those who ignore or treat lightly the word of God do not have access to that divine compass, which points the way to the savior. Consider that this group obtained the path and press forward, exhibiting a measure of faith in Christ and spiritual conviction, but they were converted by the temptation. They were diverted by the temptations of the devil and were lost. Okay. Then he talks about group two. So group one never even commenced on the path towards the tree. They went, they were lost. They went to the temptations of the devil to the large and spacious building, which is the pride of the world. Group two, he said, we read about a second group of people who obtained the straight and narrow path that led to the tree of life. This group did press forward through the mists of darkness, clinging to the rod of iron, even until they can't come down, come forth and partake of the fruit of the tree. However, as they finally as the finely dressed occupants of the great and spacious building mocked this second group, they were ashamed and they fell away into forbidden paths and were lost. Please notice that this group is described as clinging to the rod. 
So the first group didn't even hold to the rod. This group clung to the rod. And this is what Bednar said. It is significant that the second group pressed forward with faith and commitment. So the second group, they did press forward. They, they were clinging to the rod, but they did have faith and commitment. They also had the added blessings of the rod of iron, which is the word of God. And they were clinging to it. However, as they were confronted with persecution and adversity, they fell away into forbidden paths and were lost. Even with faith, commitment, and the word of God, this group eventually was lost, perhaps because they only periodically read or studied or searched the scriptures. Clinging to the rod of iron suggests to me only occasional bursts of study or irregular dipping rather than consistent ongoing immersion in the word of God. Okay, then um, Elder Bednar um, also says about the third group. Wait, uh, that was the second group. Sorry. The third group then he talks about is in verse 30. He says, we read about a third group of people who press forward continually holding fast to the rod of iron until they came forth and fell down and partook of the fruit of the tree. The key phrase in this verse is they were continually holding fast to the rod of iron. He said the third group also pressed forward with faith and conviction, just like the second group. However, there's no indication that they wandered off or fell into forbidden paths or were lost. Perhaps this third group of people consistently read and studied and searched the scriptures. Perhaps it was diligence and devotion to a seemingly small and simple thing that saved the third group from perishing. Perhaps it was the knowledge of the Lord and the knowledge of the truth obtained through faithful study of the scriptures that yielded the spiritual gift of humility, such that this group of people, quote, fell down and partook of the fruit of the tree, unquote. Perhaps it was the spiritual nourishment and strength provided by continually feasting upon the word of Christ that enabled this group to heed not the scorning and mocking of the people in the great and spacious building. This is the group that you and I should strive to join. What then is the difference between clinging and holding fast to the rod of iron? Let me suggest that holding fast to the rod of iron entails in large measure, the prayerful, consistent, and earnest use of the Holy scriptures as a sure source of revealed truth. And as a reliable guide for the journey along the straight and narrow path to the tree of life, even the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, the last thing I want to do before I close is I just want to tell you how grateful I am that at a young age, but it can happen at any time in our lives, we can have a testimony that leads to conversion. And in this world, when there's tribulation and trials and afflictions, it is easy to be distracted and believe that God is not aware of our needs, our situation, our struggles. But that is Satan trying to alter the truth and teach you false information. And I feel like as we pursue, as the third group did, of holding fast to the iron rod and continually pressing forward, that we will be protected from the false lies that Satan is purporting out there in the world that are pulling so many people away.
So just think of in your life, how it's going, how are you feeling? How are you maintaining your committed, your constant commitment in the process of conversion? Um, I've read this scripture before, but I want to read it again to close today in Helaman 512. And now my sons and daughters, I put, remember, remember that it is upon the rock of our redeemer, who is Christ, the son of God, that ye must build your foundation that when the devil shall send forth his mighty winds, yea, his shafts in the whirlwind, yea, when all his hail and his mighty storm shall beat upon you, it shall have no power over you to drag you down to the gulf of misery and endless woe because of the rock upon which you're built, which is a sure foundation, a foundation whereon if men build, they cannot fall. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful day. I am so grateful that you listened to my latest podcast. Please share these episodes with your family and friends. I look forward to being with you again soon. Have a great day.